This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Good morning and welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Doug Wangart. And we're your hosts this morning for Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us. If you've missed any of our great conversations, we had one with Bishop Donald DeGrude and Father Michael Kapperman, both great guests. If you missed either of those, be sure to check them out on our website, realpresenceradio.com, or you can check them out wherever you pick up your podcasts. Just look for Real Presence Live. So we're going to move on. It is legislative season, and so we are going to be doing updates weekly um, with the Minnesota Catholic Conference and the South Dakota Catholic Conference. So we have Jason Adkins joining us right now. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. Great to be with you, Heather. Thank you for joining us today. It's an important time of the year. Uh, First, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, I'm the executive director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and the conference is the Conference of Bishops. So our staff helps the bishops implement their public policy initiatives at the state capitol and with members of Congress. Beautiful. And so you've been doing this for a couple days, Jason. <laughs> I was as a joke. It was a couple of years. <laughs> so tell us about the Minnesota legislative session. How long does it go? How fast does it move? Well, it started on Monday, uh, February 12th, and is expected to end on May 20th. It could end a little bit early, depending on what kind of work they get done. But the principal objective during the even year is to focus on some policy fixes as well as pass a bonding capital infrastructure bill for construction projects around the state that are needed. So uh, we think it's going to be a really active session, and Democrats control both houses of the legislature here and the governor's office, and so they have the opportunity to pass things. Uh, mm-hmm. without obstruction to the extent that they can come to an agreement on particular pieces of legislation. So what this week, what, are you, what do you have your eyes on? Well, we started on Monday and already a flurry of bills. Hundreds of bills have already been introduced on top of the thousands that were introduced in 2023. And the way the Minnesota session works is that bills that don't pass in 2023 carry over uh, into 2024 and are live bills. And already, like I said, we've seen hundreds. Uh, just this week, we're seeing significant activity around education policy. We're going to be watching that as the session unfolds, what kind of mandates uh, our legislators looking at putting on homeschooling, charter schools. Uh, we're looking at and watching non-public school mandates already. Uh, there's questions regarding uh, the length of the mandatory school lunch program, how long kids get to sit, for example, when eating school lunches, uh, what will the reform of the charter school program look like here. So there's lots of interesting uh, pieces of legislation on that front. On Monday, there was a major conference, uh, press conference held by proponents of what's called the Equal Rights Amendment. Now, we call the the ERA the Erosion of Rights Amendment. Senate, Senate File 37 is a proposed state constitutional amendment that would diminish the hard-earned rights and protections of women and could eliminate the conscience rights and religious liberty of Minnesotans. What this ERA, this Erosion of Rights Amendment, does is impose gender ideology um, oh. across the state, and it would also eliminate or, or weaken protections for religious freedom. The Equal Rights Amendment, what it does is create a whole class of protected, a whole set of protected classes, but does not, in the proposal that we've seen, does not include religion. So that's a serious problem, and we think that the ERA would actually, and purposely, is intended to enshrine gender ideology and at the same time override protections for religious freedom. So we're very concerned about that. It also, in the 
the proposed language that we expect to see a new version of that coming out soon would further entrench abortion rights in our state. So those are just a couple highlights of things we're already watching this session. Wow. So when you say you're watching, what 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 are you doing? What are what are you asking the folks of Minnesota to be doing also? So on a number of bills, we you know we'll speak with legislators. That that's the daily business of lobbying. Is it's it's really door to door sales. All that we have is just good public policy. We don't do endorsements. Uh, we don't do campaign contribution. The role of the church in the public arena is to always go to legislators and say, and give our perspective on what serves human dignity and the common good. And so in the practical sense, that might mean we think a particular piece of legislation uh, does good things, or it might mean uh, a, legisl- a piece of legislation does bad things. Our role, though, is always to propose a better vision of the good. What does the good society look like? And that's the principal role of the church is to speak in principles. You know, what are the principles for building the just, free, prosperous society rooted in human dignity and the common good? And then we take those principles and apply them to particular pieces of legislation and then go speak to legislators about them and in some instances testify as well. So this particular amendment that they're um, proposing to the state constitution um, that you were talking about that talks about gender identity, um, access to abortion. Um, how does that, how is that going to affect um, the local Catholics in the area? Well, specifically what some potential outcomes of that constitutional amendment could be, um, as I mentioned, expansive abortion access with little room for Im- uh, imposing sensible safeguards through legislation. Uh, potentially increased legal action against faith communities and schools that reject gender ideology, um, forced compliance of medical professionals when it comes to abortion and uh, mm. so-called gender-affirming care. Certainly, uh, on on top of what we're already doing with regard to taxpayer-funded abortion and gender-affirming care, um, gender transitions, hormones, treatments, surgeries, and those sorts of things, uh, further uh, rights and uh, fund, uh, taxpayer funding related to those things. Certainly the decline of women's sports and uh, endangering women's only spaces. Uh, and even potentially is something as, as, uh, is, is almost as troubling as mandated pronoun usage <laughs> in some oh. environments. And certainly the shutdown of faith-based shelters for women. So there's a lot, I mean, there's, you could come up with a whole lot of potential hypotheticals, oh. but what the amendment does is essentially give judges a blank check to rewrite what constitutes discrimination uh, across uh, uh, with regard to what's called reproductive freedom or reproductive rights, but certainly also with regard to sexual orientation and gender ideology as well. Wow. That's very scary. A lot of big, big things coming up on this legislative session. Um, Where can people go to keep up with what's going on, Jason, and where can people go and make an impact to their legislators and um, let them know and let their voices be heard? Well, we have an action center on our website, mncatholic.org. Again, that's mncatholic.org. There's a place where people can take action. There's an action alert related to this proposed constitutional amendment uh, right now, and people can go there, find out what bills on which the uh, Catholic Conference is taking a position, and then learn more and sign up for our newsletter. And with a click of the mouse, you can send your message to legislators precisely because we have you in our system, we know your address, and we can direct any message that you send through our system uh, to legislators. So it's a really important tool and an opportunity. It makes it easy for people to know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. And again, those resources can be found at mncatholic.org. Again, that's mncatholic.org. 
And do you think it makes a difference, Jason, if we yeah, all send these messages? Sure. Okay. I think people are suffering from discouragement. They don't feel like their legislators are listening to them. Mm-hmm. But it's politics is really about showing up. That's the first step in the game, and it, you'd be surprised at how few people actually show up uh, meet with their legislators. One of the tests I always use is, can you name your state legislate, your state House member and your state senator? Mm. Rarely is it the case that one in ten people in any crowd I speak to can name both. So if we don't know who is representing us, how can we believe that the laws they're going to make are going to be good and just? So the first step starts mm. in getting involved, forming a relationship with your legislator, and even, again, through the, our Catholic Advocacy Network tool that I mentioned, you can just send an email um, it's that easy, but people just have to start showing up. And you might not get their agreement on the first time you make a connection or the first conversation, but again, you have to start changing hearts and minds. That's what democratic politics is all about, that role and responsibility of persuading through reasoned argument those who would disagree with us. And though they might not agree with you on one issue, you might find an opportunity to work together on another issue. So we, mm-hmm. we can't uh, just delegate the task of politics to our elected officials. It's a responsibility in a government of the people, by the people, for the people, that the people make their voices heard and share with their elected officials what they think about important issues. The Catholic Advocacy Network makes it easy to do that from a Catholic perspective. And again, those resources can be found at mncatholic.org. Beautiful. Jason, thank you so much for uh, being in the legislative session and watching out for us and updating the website and just being active in all of it. We appreciate all the work that you're doing. It's our pleasure. Please keep our staff in prayer and uh, look forward to speaking with Real Presence Live next week. Yep, we'll be getting an update from you every week just to keep us on our toes and remind us that this quick legislative Mm -hmm. session is going on. Um, They're very short, and it's important to always keep a highlight on them and keep us um, responding to our representatives. So thank you for that, Jason. Thank you. Great to be with you. All right, folks, that was an update from Jason uh, from the Catholic Catholic Network. No, Catholic (laughs) Minnesota. Catholic Conference. He's uh, director, executive director for the Catholic Conference out there in Minnesota, keeping his eye on the legislative happenings that's going on. Uh, so thank you to Jason. Coming up next, we're heading to South. We're heading south for the latest out of South Dakota legislative session from a bill requiring age verification technology on porn sites to a resolution to oppose a proposed abortion amendment to the state constitution. We'll get a complete update with Real Presence Live continues right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Celebrating Sunday Christians are Sunday people. What does that mean? Before we ask ourselves how we observe Sunday, we have to consider what we Christians actually celebrate on Sunday. The real and first reason for celebrating Sunday lies in the fact that on this day Christ rose from the dead. For the first time, someone returns from the dead and will not die again. But Jesus did not pass quickly into heaven. He did not simply shed time as one might shed a worn-out garment. On the contrary, he remains with us. 
The Feast of Sunday is therefore, above all, a profession of faith in the resurrection. Very early in the history of the church, Christians asked themselves, why did the Lord choose this day? According to Jewish reckoning, Sunday was the first day of the week. It was therefore the day on which God created the world. It was the day on which God ended his rest and spoke, let there be light. Sunday is the first day of the week, the day of creation. That means then that Sunday is also the day on which we give thanks for creation. Creation has been given us by God as our living space, as the scene of our labor and our leisure in which we find both the necessities and the superfluities of life, the beauty of images and sounds which we need precisely as much as we need food and clothing. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories, and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Doug Weingart. And we're your hosts this morning for Real Presence Live, broadcasting out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's a beautiful day. Yes. Here's snow's on the way, though. Yes, and we have no windows, so we're not exactly <laughs> sure it might be snowing right now. We'll just pretend it's not. <laughs> we can't see it. It's not happening. That's right. It's 80 <laughs> degrees outside right now. Yeah, so I'm pleased to um, introduce you to Michael Pauley. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Heather. How are you doing? Good. Tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. Sure. Well, I work as executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. Uh, I've been on uh, your show a couple of times before, but for new listeners, uh, the Catholic Conference is the public policy voice uh, for the bishops of South Dakota. So part of my job uh, is to be in the uh, state capitol and peer uh, during legislative session, which is going on right now. Um, and uh, we look at bills uh, from the point of view of Catholic social teaching and uh, uh, opposing some bills and supporting others. Um, and this is the second session that I've been doing it, and uh, it's uh, some real exciting times here. Oh, very good. Hey, Michael, thanks for uh, coming in for the weekly update. Uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, so this morning, uh, a bill is being heard, 1257. Uh, I don't know that that number means much to people, but the content should. So could you tell us about it? Yeah, you bet. So House Bill 1257 uh, is before the House Judiciary Committee as we speak. Um, and I'm actually, as soon as we're done with this uh, conversation, I have to dash up to the committee room. Uh, and hopefully uh, we'll have an opportunity to testify in support of that bill. But what this legislation does is it requires um, that websites that are hosting content that is harmful to minors, i.e. pornography, obscenity, uh, that these websites have to implement a accurate and reliable age verification system to ensure that minors cannot access the material on that site. Um, this is not a new idea. There have actually been uh, eight other states uh, that have passed similar laws. Uh, and so uh, now we're making an attempt to do it in South Dakota. Um, you would think that this might be a 
you know, what you would call a no-brainer idea, but in reality, um, everywhere where these bills have been filed, there's been um, pretty uh, adamant opposition from big tech. Um, uh, to be perfectly blunt, um, they don't want any sort of uh, hindrances on their ability to uh, rake in huge profits, even if it's at the expense of the innocence of our young. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that the bill... Um, We'll be able to pass today out of the House Judiciary Committee, um, but it's a, definitely a top priority for the Catholic Conference. You know, our, our U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has actually uh, called on Catholics to work. Uh, this is a direct quote from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. They called for Catholics to work together for laws and for a culture that remove pornography from its prominent and privileged place and counter its numerous injustices. Um, and that's exactly what this bill does, is it, it, it says to, you know, these purveyors of, of material that's so harmful to our children that, um, you know, you, you don't get a free pass anymore. You're going to be held accountable for what you're doing. Yeah. Well, it is amazing that only eight states when have passed this. Yeah. When you think, yeah, everybody should know that this is wrong. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think some of it, um, uh, and there's a number of reasons why this idea maybe has taken a while to uh, to germinate, but some of it is driven by technology. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, at the dawn of the Internet, uh, we perhaps didn't have such reliable methods to um, block any particular user from accessing the Internet based on age. Uh, but we can't say that anymore. There, there's now uh, commercial vendors out there that do this because, after all, think about it. There's websites out there that are selling alcohol and tobacco products and all sorts of things where they're required by law to make mm -hmm. sure that they're not selling uh, to minors who aren't allowed to purchase those products. And so the idea that we can you know, somehow we're able to do this for alcohol, somehow we're able to do this for tobacco, somehow casinos are able to do it to keep minors mm -hmm. from entering into the casino, but we can't do it for a, a, a hardcore pornography site, that's just unacceptable. So uh, it's, it's really good to see them finally being held accountable. Well, and I just can't even fathom what it's like to be in the room listening to the other side argue for it. I can't even fathom. It just seems ridiculous to me that they would be yeah. arguing, you know what I mean? Like arguing yeah, against well, having this law passed. It's just crazy. Yeah, well, I'm about, I'm about to go up and hear it, so maybe the, the, the next time you have me on your show, yeah. uh, we can we can do a little recap on that. Oh, my gosh. I'm glad you're going and not me. I would be yelling in the courtroom. I'd be like, no. So there's there's something else we're keeping our eye on, and that's a, a House resolution opposed um, to oppose the proposed abortion amendment to the state constitution. Talk about that a little bit. You bet. So this is called House Concurrent Resolution 6008, uh, and it was heard in committee on, uh, uh, well, actually, it, it was heard in committee last week, but then it was on the full floor of the House of Representatives uh, just on Monday of this week. And the great news to share there is that it passed by a vote of 63 to 7. Uh, so just overwhelming margins. Wow. And, 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 you know, what, what's gratifying about that vote for me 
is that, you know, I can tell you not all 63 uh, members of the State House of Representatives are, you know, necessarily solidly pro-life, but even some of those who aren't, they're able to look at this abortion amendment and say, this is just crazy. It goes too far. It's allowing abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. Uh, You know, it's removing health and safety standards. Uh, It doesn't even require that a physician, you know, be involved in an abortion. So one of the ironies is that uh, it actually legalizes back alley abortions, which is what people said, Mm. you know, decades ago that they were (laughs) trying to avoid. So, um, we've, we've kind of come full circle on this issue where now the uh, now the defenders of, of legal abortion are actually defending back alley abortions, which is odd to say the least. Yeah. So what did this amendment do? What um, the resolution do? Sure. Well, what the resolution does is it's not a it's not a binding uh, policy. What it does is it expresses the legislature's view uh, on the proposed amendment. So it's basically the legislature going on record uh, and you know saying to all the voters of South Dakota, here are our conclusions about what this proposed amendment would actually do, and then expresses the legislature's opposition to that in, in no uncertain terms. Uh, so I, I think it, it helps contribute to the public debate uh, and just helps educate people uh, about how extreme this measure is. And hopefully um, we can prevent it from appearing on the ballot, but if it does go on the ballot, uh, we need to really educate people about uh, how radical it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, a blessing what you guys do because we just talked with Jason Atkins out of Minnesota, and he's fighting a, mm-hmm. a, a similar bill now. It's a crazy. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. And Jason is one of my uh, my most esteemed colleagues, and, you know, and he has a really uh, – Tough battle, you know, yeah, right there yes. uh, in the in the state house in in uh, Minnesota. So, yeah. what do you think the the chances of this um, change in the constitution would happen? Uh, you mean in terms of uh, winning voter approval? Yeah, with the abortion well, amendment. Well, uh, there there have been similar amendments that have uh, been brought forward in other states, and unfortunately, uh, they've all passed. Uh, however, none of these states is exactly like South Dakota. Um, South Dakota does have a very long uh, tradition, going back decades, of being one of the leading uh, pro-life states. Uh, the most recent polls that I've seen show the issue very close here. You know, it's, it's very much it's very much like, uh, you know, like a 50 50 issue uh, with both sides, you know, just separated by a couple of percentage points. Obviously, that's uh, worrisome. We need mm-hmm. to you know, w- we need to be changing those numbers so that we see a decisive uh, pro-life uh, advantage. But, um, you know, I, I think the most honest answer is that I, I can I can for easily foresee uh, either outcome at this point. I, mm. I can see it passing and I can see it failing. And a lot of it is just, um, it, it depends on whether people uh, are going to just be spectators in this battle or yeah. whether they're going to actually take ownership of it and say, you know, I'm going to do my part to ensure that this never becomes part of our Constitution. We, mm. we literally need each and every uh, Catholic and each and every person of goodwill uh, in this state 
to make a personal investment in this and say, not on my watch. Yeah. I'm not going to let this happen on my watch. Uh, and I, the good news is, is that I do see people stepping up to the plate to do that. They're, they're recognizing that they have the ability to make a difference, um, and that's very gratifying to see. What are some tangible things that um, South Dakota listeners can be doing today to help with this fight? Sure. Well, uh, for sure, I would recommend, you know, go to the South Dakota Catholic Conference website, uh, sign up uh, for our uh, email list, but also uh, go to the Life Defense Fund. The, the Life Defense Fund is the organization that's been set up um, to oppose this. So just, just go lifedefensefund.com, uh, and you can, you can make a donation. You can sign up to volunteer. Um, and uh, and they will get you plugged in and show you what you can do to make a difference. Beautiful. Any last words for us, Michael? Well, uh, only that I would just covet uh, the prayers of your listeners as we do this work in the state capitol. Um, we, um, you know, we, we just really appreciate that because uh, sometimes it is a little lonely uh, fighting these battles mm-hmm. here. And uh, uh, But uh, we're also uh, making a you know, a positive difference, I think. And uh, this this uh, age verification bill, uh, if, if, if we can even protect uh, a handful of minors uh, mm-hmm. from, you know, being exposed to this uh, just abhorrent material when they're at a young, impressionable age, um, that, that will be a huge uh, victory for the state of South Dakota. Absolutely. Michael Polly, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for the wonderful work that you're doing Know that all of us listeners are praying for you and your work. And we will catch up with you again next week for another update from the South Dakota Catholic Conference. Thank you, Michael. Thanks so much, Heather. Take care. Thanks, Michael. Okay, so still ahead on Real Presence Live, finding joy in the sacrifices, struggles, and messiness of marriage. Is that possible? So, If so, how do we do it and when life can be so busy and stressful? That's what we'll be talking about next on Real Presence Live. When we continue, I'm Heather Caro. I'm Doug Weingart. And we'll be back with Emily Leadham on the other side of this break. Stay with us. More Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Father Bo Brown from the Diocese of Duluth. A lot of times, us as as Catholics, we we struggle with the Holy Spirit because the, the Father is so approachable. He has a name that's very uh, that we all know, right? That we can relate to, and the Son as well. And when you get the Holy Spirit, oftentimes He can take this this kind of back seat in our relationship with God. And we see early on in the, in the Book of Acts and in uh, the disciples in the early life of the Church. We see how they live with the Holy Spirit and they express to us what it's like to live with Him and how He both sanctifies what they do and their ministry and gives them special gifts and also how He sanctifies their own lives and they talk about how the Spirit brings uh, certain effects in their life like joy and peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self-control. So I think it's good for us to think about today. What's our relationship with the Holy Spirit like? Is He a real person in our lives? We have the same kind of relationship with Him that we have with the Father and the Son. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In his letter to the city of Philippi, Paul exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord always. Then, just to make sure we get it, he repeats himself, rejoice. 
He encourages us to have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving to let our requests be made known to God. We can exercise trust and total dependence on Him. Praise, worship, and conversation with God are not designed to change Him. They are designed to change us. It is in the heart of that praise that we discover that nothing is impossible with God and that life in the Holy Spirit is a life of peace. This peace is our witness to a war-torn, bloody, fatigued, and depressed world. This peace is our birthright once we completely belong to Him. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace. Power. Purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. 